Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, sound like you like it or not. That's when it got wheels off. Billy Strings is a badass. If you go find a clip of him performing from any time in the last seven or eight years, you will be blown away. But Billy Strings is also a kid, compared to me, certainly. He's a full 22 years younger than I am. But Billy Strings has an old soul. Getting to talk to him was a real treat. It was weird, of course, because as we are all sheltered at home, he and I had to meet and have our conversation take place via Skype um, he's in East Nashville in his home. I'm in the office in my basement in New York's Hudson Valley. But he's an easy guy to talk to. And he's thoughtful and he's generous and he's funny. And uh, sometimes talent is wasted on people that don't seem to appreciate it or understand how lucky they are to have it. Billy Strings is not one of those guys he is a bad-ass instrumentalist, but he is a sweetheart of a dude. Please welcome to Wheels Off the great Billy Strings. Welcome to Wheels Off, Billy Strings. All right. Do you go, now, your friends, what do they call you? Billy. Where Billy. Because that was a nickname like that your mom gave you, right? Well, my aunt Mondi sort of gave me the nickname Billy Strings, um, but uh, growing up, I was always called Boomer. <laughs> so, you know, my mom and my family and some of my close friends from back home still call me Boomer. That's and then, cool. you know, teachers would call me William or Boomer, or, you know, a lot of friends from back home, they still call me Boomer and stuff. But yeah, uh, Billy is what everybody calls me these days, it seems like. You know, I've got a 16-year-old son and one of his... He has a few nicknames, but one of his is Boomer. I call him Boomer all the time, <laughs> which now it's taken on a whole new thing because the OK Boomer meme has made it kind of different. It's so, yeah, it's weird because when that first started, uh, I actually saw it a few times and I was like, what? Like, for one, like how, how does this person know my nickname and what are they talking about? Like, okay, what? <laughs> so tell me, Billy, what creative project are you working on right now and how does it light you up? Uh, I'm doing something similar, you know, I'm not sure if it's a podcast or if it's what it is, but basically what I'm doing is I'm just calling a bunch of my friends and recording the phone calls and just like, I have no questions in mind or anything. I'm just calling and, and saying, Hey, how you doing? And sometimes the conversations take off and sometimes we're talking about the pandemic and sometimes we talk about music and sometimes we're talking about how good it feels to be at home and actually be able to like, I don't know, live here for a moment. 
Yeah. How long has it been since you did a gig? Oh, man. Probably the beginning of March, I think. Yeah. Weird, yeah. right? Yeah, it's pretty strange. Because you started really young. Yeah, I mean, I've always played music, but I would say for the last 10 years, I've been on the road solid, you know? Um, totally pretty cool. much, like, never home. And uh, so, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, I just noticed all these flowers out front of my house. And I've lived here for a couple of years, but I've never really seen all the flowers that grow when the sun comes out, you know? Because yeah. I'm all gone. It's like, what? Oh, shit. We got rose bushes and flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Do, um, are you able to write in the midst of all this? Uh, not yet. <laughs> I really haven't been uh, too successful, really. I mean, I've maybe come up with a few little riffs here and there, but um, I haven't really tried Mm-hmm. And I also, I'm just kind of waiting for it to feel right. Yeah, I, I haven't been been able to, which is the strangest thing because when I'm on the road, I'm always bitching about, God, I never have time to write. When am I going to have time to write? Well, here it is, and I'm just like procrastinating. But uh, I don't know. I, I, needed, I needed this first couple of weeks really to myself to fully restore just from being on the road for the last 10 years, you know? And uh it's it's really good. So I'm feeling really restored and it feels, you know, good to be home for a moment and so I think the the writing is kind of coming up next. Another thing I've been working on is like just getting my little recording setup at home uh dialed in so that I can just record solo stuff and mess around that way. Are you good at the technological side of that? This uh I would say um I wouldn't say good. I'd say I'm decent, maybe. I don't know. I'm still learning a lot about that, you know. Uh, that's And this whole quarantine thing has, I think, kind of forced a lot of people to dive into the tech, you know, the cameras, the microphones, the, the logic and garage band and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I just jumped into logic like a couple, like a week ago or something, and it's been... It's been fun trying to learn all that stuff. I know there's so much more that I could do, but I don't really need to know much. All I really need to know is how to dial in the EQ, you know, and like do compression. some do a little bit of compression, a little bit of panning, and and that's it. I mean, otherwise, and then you just press record. And and, and I'm not the kind of guy that's going to edit everything. Like if I'm going to record myself solo, I'm going to press record, play a song, and then it will be done. And I'm not, you know, I might mess with the the volumes you know my voice in comparison to the guitar maybe edit that a little bit but i'm not gonna like take a solo from a a previous break you know and and set it in there and i don't know how to do all that stuff um that's a rabbit hole i don't even want to go down anyways (laughs) well i feel like like how many things can you be great at like you're a virtuosic musician and uh, do you also really need to be like a computer genius as well? Like, isn't that a bit much? No, yeah, I, I think I, what I'm lucky to have is like people that I can call. Uh, my friend Gary Pachosa, who works at Rounder Records, he's a, a brilliant engineer. And so I've, I have people that I can call like, hey, man, how do you, what's this? You know, I've even recorded stuff and sent it to Gary. And then he's like, man, I would do this. I'd put the low cut on this. I'd pan these left and right. I would do this and that, and then it's like all of a sudden my shit sound a lot better. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so it's interesting to me because you're still so young, but you started so so young. Was there 
a moment where you were conscious of, okay, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do with my whole life? Like, was there an epiphany moment? Or did you just always know from before you were conscious? Well, I've always known that. I mean, even when I was a little kid, I had, like, dreams of, you know, being this, like, musician or something. And the older I got, by the time I was a teenager, you know, 13, 14 years old, that dream was really unrealistic of, you know, I grew up in a place that was, I don't know, it it almost seems like it, it traps people there and it's hard to break out. And once you can break out of that town, once you move away and do some traveling and stuff, it kind of seems easier. But when I was growing up, it seemed like it was, you know, I, I don't know, I wasn't very encouraged as far as like, yeah, you, you can make it with music, kids. Like, you know, it was more like, I failed all through school, you know, I just, like, math, all that kind of shit, I just don't get it. I mean, failed, literally. I did graduate uh, eventually. The only reason I graduated is because I was selling mushrooms at the time, and I was able to pay pay this kid five bucks a day, 25 bucks a week for an, uh, my assignments so that I could pass math so that I could graduate. No uh, way. Yeah. <laughs> what town was this? Ionia, Michigan. Okay. And so, yeah, my buddy helped me graduate, you know, and he's like, you know, I'll, I'll give you the answers, five bucks per assignment. I'm like, dude, all right. So I was able to cheat my way through school and actually get a little diploma or whatever. But I dropped out twice, and, I mean, uh, that was just not my vibe. And so music was always my thing, but it was, like, my thing. Um, it was personal. It was emotional it was i played for my friends and i played for little parties and stuff like that like if me and my friends were hanging out drinking or whatever i would be playing guitar hanging out but it wasn't like you know and i played in a little metal band in high school and stuff and we did some little shows but we never i mean we lost money all the time every time we played a gig we had to you know it was like it was just not feasible and so all of that is like very discouraging it's like how can you actually make money playing music and like not have to work a, a job and stuff? It's hard. It's hard to break out of that, you know. And so what happened is I was uh, I was working in Traverse City at a resort. Um, it was my only the only real day job that I've ever had was this one job. You know, I, I graduated from high school finally, and then I moved the fuck out of Ionia, and uh, I moved to Traverse City. And uh, that was a whole different scene up there. There was beaches and sunshine and, and water. And, and there was these like kind of hippie kids that were like really cool. And it was like, man, this is a cool scene. I like it up here. You know, and they introduced me to some cool music and stuff. And it was just a, a cool scene. So and it's also a very kind of artsy community, a small community that has a lot of arts, you know, artists, uh, musicians, uh, local uh, culinary arts and and stuff like that. There's a lot of shit like that in Traverse City. It's cool. Um, so that was just very different from the little kind of town that I grew up in, which, all, you know, the circles that I ran with were like, you know, drug addicts and shit like that and kind of losers, you know. I mean, like, not that we were losers. No, I get you. But it was just like, you know, shit. We, we should We could have. I don't know. I don't regret anything, but. So a lot of people did end up doing th good things with their lives, you know. But back then, man, like I, we just dropped out of school, and all we did—the only thing that mattered was like, where's the party, you know? 
And so eventually when I moved to Traverse City, that's I got that job at the um got the job at the resort and I was like a lobby attendant, you know, I'd walk around and wash windows and, and vacuum and shit. But really a lot of times I'd like hide in the bathroom and like watch Doc Watson videos on YouTube and shit like that and like try to like you know, every time I would finally get home uh, I'd just practice all day, and eventually I started playing with this fella named Don Julin up there, and we had this little duo, and I would, like, wake up at 7 in the morning, go to work, be at work till, you know, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. By 7 o'clock, I was on stage somewhere, and I'd be out till 3 or 4 in the morning, and then back at work at 8 the next day. Wow. Like, dude, burning the candle at both ends, hardcore, until, and, you know, and I started getting more and more gigs. And uh, so it, I kind of had this like little pile of cash and my check from work. And I'm like, look, and I'm like looking at them both. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like I made this playing music. This is what I made uh, cleaning up vomit. <laughs> um, I used to only live on this one paycheck from work. And now I have both. So what if I just, instead of having double the income, what if I just act this one check from work and just live off this little pile of cash on my dresser from playing gigs? So I don't know. That's pretty scary. Um, I got a good little job. You know, it's solid. I can go there every day. Like, they're not firing me. I'm doing good. I, you know, it's a good little gig. Um, it was pretty scary at first. I think I was 19. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Put in my two weeks notice. And uh, and then I just kept playing gigs, you know. And from then on, it was like I didn't have the other job to distract me from. Then it was like, that was the first time that it was like, okay, my work, going to work is picking up my guitar, trying to write a song, uh, going practice, going to play gigs, going, you know, traveling in a van, all that shit. That is work now, you know. So it's like. Just because you don't have a job, you can't just like lay around all day and not do shit. Um, yeah. So I started to focus, you know, and that was around the time. I mean, for the first couple years of of this thing, I was still drinking and kind of partying a lot and stuff, and that caught up to me pretty quick. Um, and you know, I uh, one day we were on a tour somewhere in North Carolina or something, and we just had this great gig you know, thousands of people and we just sold all this merch and it was just this huge, awesome gig for us. I'm like, let's go celebrate. So we went to the bar and I was just buying everybody rounds and old fashions. And I mean, I would, had been drinking wine that night and, you know, I like did cocaine and it was just this fucking crazy night. And the next day I woke up and, you know, we had five hours to drive to make it to the next gig. We got to be there at three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we had to stop every 10 minutes so I could throw up, you know, it's just like, it was like an embarrassment to myself. I was like, wow. Okay. You're drinking and shit is getting in the way of like, you're so happy to have this music as a gig. Like you're like, do you want to be cleaning toilets or do you want to be playing guitar? And like your drinking's going to fuck that up. Like if you're seriously, you can't make it to the gig today because you're so sick from drinking last night. You got like, that's, that's messed up. So I literally have never had a drink since that day. Um, and that's like almost four years ago. That's amazing. That's very cool. Yeah. Gotta, so it, it just, took me a lot longer to figure that out. I've been, I stopped drinking five years ago, but yeah, it's, 
it's a it's a different world, right? Yeah, I mean, I just it's not that I was like I don't I don't consider myself an alcoholic, you know, or anything like that. I didn't have like a problem. I don't I don't think it was like really uh messing with any of my relationships or anything like that. I don't think it was like that. It was just that I could see that happening in the future and I was feeling so lucky to be playing music for a living anyways. I didn't want to do anything to jeopardize it and I only want to do things to feed that and nourish it. Um, and that includes being sober enough to appreciate the fans that come out and tell me, man, great show tonight. And I'm like, thank you. Like, I'm here. I hear you. Not just like, yeah, dude, fucking woo, whatever, <laughs> you know? And like, I don't know. I just kind of, and also as a networking thing, like if I'm at a festival or something and I meet the promoter, what if I'm wasted, you know? And he's like, whoa, okay, I don't want to have that guy back next year because he's fucking lit. Like, you know, I don't know. It's and not that that would happen, but and I don't think I'm like a belligerent or I'm I'm usually a pretty sweet, happy drunk, or at least I I think I used to be. But man, I just had to get rid of it. That that the fact that I was like late for a gig and we didn't get a sound check and stuff and it was like actually messing up our show it was like okay i'm not drinking anymore like this this stuff's not my friend it's funny i hear you describe like how hard you worked and how much you would practice and like it's because you say like oh we were losers and we were dropouts and yet you were devoting so much time and focus on you know this this getting better and better at what you do yeah i think you know for the first little part of my life it wasn't like that like it was after I you know moved up to Traverse City and 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 pretty much when I quit my day job that's when the bullseye focus started to like I started to really put my head down and play guitar up until that point it it was just my thing man I was just the guitar player at the party or whatever you know and uh I would play for my friends around the the fire or whatever. I grew up playing music with my dad and his friends, um, a lot of bluegrass and stuff. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a good childhood, you know, until like my teenage years, shit got really rowdy for a second. <laughs> and so I like, I got it all out of my system pretty early. And so now I just want to focus and try to just keep getting better at the guitar and, and, um, you know, have a good, happy life. And, and I'm really, amazed and i'm always kind of blown away that i'm able to fulfill that with the guitar you know um it's unreal i never thought that would be possible i, ne I just never thought you know that I, that could happen you know i just like i wonder about this i'm i you're a solid generation behind me if a generation's 20 years you're you know the next generation and you fully missed out on like the boom of compact disc money that came in and made just stupid money in the music industry. So, <laughs> like, so by the time you started, you were really dealing with the music industry that was, you know, the 1% at the top, you know, the Taylor Swift or whatever. And then everybody else just, just fighting out on the road for whatever they could make work. And you've somehow been able, not somehow, but through talent and hard work, been able to like climb up to a really great spot. But do you ever, does it ever freak you out to think like how much you missed? Do you think that that business model and how fucked it was, was, was probably a bad thing? What's your take on you, you coming in after the death of the music industry? <laughs> 
Well, I don't think music's an industry in the first place. I mean, it is. There's obviously, you know, it's like I'm a, I'm a musician. That's how I make a living. It's obviously there's an industry. But what I'm saying is I don't necessarily believe in that. or That's not what I think of when I think of music. Music is a necessity, and it's like oxygen or water or it's something natural like that that's almost necessary to a lot of people. And uh, it's like love or something, you know. And so I think I would be doing this no matter what. And uh, also, I feel like we're such a live band, and I feel like I really thrive in front of an audience because I, um, I reflect the energy that they kind of give me and it, it's a reciprocal thing you know they they give us energy and we give it back to them and all of a sudden we close the gap and uh it's just one big thing it's not us and them it's just all of us and um i think i love yeah. that by the way i think that's a, i think that's a great way to think about it if you just think of it as music and not as business yeah um but you know we we we've always been a live band so i never really i've never even considered like that we're going to be some i never have ever thought that we're going to be some band that like sells a million records or like you know like is really successful like on a mainstream level or anything like that i've always been in an underground scene i mean it, it was bluegrass at first which the kind of gigs that i was playing were very small you know, nobody's making any money playing those gigs. That's for damn sure. <laughs> and and then, uh, you know, I went from that to the metal scene, which we would literally host our own shows at the VFW halls and stuff and charge people five bucks to come in so that we could pay the bands. And, you know, and we would play for free and lose money and all sorts of shit. You know, and now I'm at this stage where, you know, we're playing real theaters and clubs and stuff. Um, but that's pretty much it like and that's where i almost like to be like i don't mind being a band that like we make our living off touring and we're a live band so it's like we'll make records and i'm gonna try my best to continue to write music but on stage is where that shit comes to life you know and and in front of the audience so so no matter what, I think we're going to be touring our asses off. And I, like, I, dude, I've been playing 200 gigs for the last seven or eight years at least, you know, and it's been a grueling schedule, but it's also been so amazing. And that's how, you know, hasn't been any of our uh, our records and stuff or anything like that. It's like one 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 by one, one city at a time, couple fans at a time, you know, like we come through uh st louis and then a couple months later we got a few more people there third time that year it's like we sold it out okay you know next moving up next venue next city and so we got these markets you know that are like okay we're doing good in denver we do good in michigan we're doing good here and there and so we just keep traveling these circles around the country and every time we visit a place it gets a little better and better we remember more people from last time. We see the same people that were there last time and more new faces and uh, making friends along the way, you know. And it's like, that's it, man. That's what we're doing. And I love yeah, that. I don't know how, 
how like record sales and stuff come into it because I just don't feel like we're ever going to really sell that many records. I mean, people listen to music on Spotify, so it's like, well, I don't know what we make from that, pennies on the dollar or something. <laughs> but that doesn't matter to me, dude. Once I, you know, like, I mean, it would be great if I could sell the records, actually. I mean, yeah, that'd be great. I could pay the band. I could, you know, pay my bills and shit with that money. But honestly, once I make the album, it's like, I don't know. I'm the kind of guy that's always like, let's just put shit out there. I don't give a fuck. And my team sometimes is like, well, we can do this or that, you know, and we can put this out there for free, but let's do that. And, you know, it's like, if I could, I would put music out into the world for free all the time. I mean, I, I do like to post stuff just on Instagram or whatever, but like, I'm thinking about trying to make albums at my house by myself just of myself playing guitar and just post them for free you know like here's 10 songs you don't have to pay for it it's just music man enjoy you know yeah um, man it seems to me like you've got a really healthy um way of just kind of processing stuff i mean like a real positive uh thing but i mean i know from personal experience and from talking to people like us that there's a lot of like the world puts up obstacles, sure, whatever, like having to survive high school and just all all the different things that you got to deal with. But in terms of internally generated obstacles, like self doubt, um, like that's funny talking to people about like that kind of the guilt that comes when you do have success. Just all these things that kind of pop up in your own brain that yeah. you have to deal with. How do you deal with that? Oh man, yeah, it's been a rough like. The last couple of years have been rough because um, I was dealing with a lot of anxiety and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, just kind of got shot out of a rocket, you know, and, um, and a lot of pressure comes with that. Also, a, a lot of physical, you know, I have to be a lot of places, you know, so there's a lot of airplanes, buses and trains and cars and shit. And that'll just kind of drive you nuts after a while anyways. But along with the pressure of like I'm I'm hard on myself when it comes to like I always feel like man I really want the show to be just good tonight you know I want to kick ass every time you know it's got to be better than last night you know and uh it's not always like that I mean some it's kind of funny I've I've learned along the way that playing gigs and and work days and stuff like that shows they're just like every other day of the week, man. Just depends on how your mood is, how think just some days you have good days, some days you have bad days. Some days you're in such a fucking good mood and you don't even know why. Some days you can't stand it. You're just pissed off. You don't even know why. What the fuck? Why am I in such a shitty mood? I don't even know. You know? And 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 that's that stuff happens with music too. It's like, God, we killed it last night. Tonight we're like what is going on? We're missing a couple cylinders here, boys, you know? And, uh, I don't know, but it's always like this. Like you never can, I've learned to just not have ex expectations about it, you know, and just go on stage, do the best that you can. And that's good enough. That's know? good. So listen, you're only 27 years old and typically, you know, I've been doing these interviews with people for a couple of years now. And typically I'm talking to people that are further, you know, deeper into their career and have like all this perspective and stuff. And I wonder for you, um, like you said, the last couple of years you've been shot out of a cannon. If you could go back to yourself 
when things were really taking off around 21, but like working in today's world, if you could give yourself any advice, you know, six or seven years ago, what would you tell yourself? Uh, you know, jog, don't run, you know, just like, I think part of myself getting burned out and getting a lot of anxiety and stuff like that, I was over-functioning. Um, I mean, driving the van, loading the gear, selling the merch, t- talking to fans, just every single – I was carrying everything for a while. I mean, I didn't for – for a long time there, I didn't have a crew. I didn't have a sound guy. I, mean, I was the guy settling up at the end of the show. I was everything. You know, I was booking the hotel rooms. I was like, literally, I was tour manager. I was merch person. I was everything. Band leader, you know, songwriter, lead singer, uh, everything. And so that, to even get into the role of, into the routine of that and the hang of that, I mean, God, I was working hard. Like I was, and I got like to the point where I just had these blinders on. And it was just like, I was just going for it, you know? It was just like, wake up, drive, load in, sound check, hotel, wake up, drive, load in, sound check, show, hotel, you know? And it's just like, I got in such a routine. I I didn't even, it's like I was forgetting everything else, like, that was important. And I was just like, you know, this is what we have to do. And those were the van days, like, hardcore, you know, driving you know, 16 hours in the van and shit, you know, and, um, sleeping in the parking lot and take, you know, for a couple hours and continuing on. And, uh, that's what we had to do to make it, to kind of get to where we're at, to where, um, at least sometimes now we don't have to even drive ourselves, you know, which is like, holy shit. You mean after the gig, we can just get in this vehicle and, and, and it goes down the road and we just get to sleep. Holy shit. That is a, game changer because dude when you're on stage till two o'clock in the morning or let's just say you even get done at midnight you know or, or, or one o'clock in the morning you know you, or you get done at midnight you're not out of the venue till two because you get all your gear settling up all that stuff okay we finally get to hit the road at two we got a six hour drive so we got to drive a couple hours tonight so that puts us at the hotel at four thirty in the morning we got to get up at nine o'clock in the morning in order to make it to the next venue because we still have the four hours to drive, and then you know we have to be there by three p.m. to load in. Mm. And sounds so it's like your time just gets wedged in like that, and it's like, oh my god, you mean we get three hours of sleep tonight? Like, and that happens three times, four times a week, and it's like, oh fuck, you know. And then, oh man, there's been times where I was so in the zone that I was being a total dick to my bandmates and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's where, like, I don't know, there was a minute there where, like, my anxiety and stuff like that, where I was over-functioning, it's almost like I think of it as a pot of water that's boiling, and I was trying to keep the lid on, and it was boiling hotter and hotter, and the steam started to come out, and eventually the water's going to start bubbling out, no matter how hard you can hold the lid on. Yeah. So, like, eventually my lid popped off and I fucking like blew up on one of my bandmates and shit. And I, and I like, I had this big, you know, tantrum basically. And, and that was like a breaking point for me where it was like, wow, I just like, that's not me, dude. I don't want to be this angry guy. What the fuck is going on? And so I realized I was just working way too hard. And, um, 
you know, I think if I could tell my 21-year-old self anything, it's just like, just chill out, man. Like, instead of running everywhere you go, like, just walk, man. You'll get there pretty much at the same time. Like, it's not, you know, it's not a big deal. But, I mean, then again, when you're doing everything, you kind of have to be, like, uh, going every direction, you know, and doing everything. So I don't know, but I got through it, and and I'm I'm feeling much better now. You know, I I was, um, I have a very great therapist that I talked to. That I mean, I was having panic attacks and like crazy shit like that. It was just a really weird time, and this is probably January uh, 2019. You know, like right at, at the end of 2018 is when my anxiety hit me, and. Um, so all of 2019 was pretty much a journey for me of getting back to normal. And I got to say, uh, this year, even with everything going on, and I'm, I'm not on the road, so I think that's got a lot to do with it, too. It's just, I'm able to restore and rest and finally catch up on a lot of things that I was missing out on just in, like, getting sleep. Uh, so I'd, I'm doing a lot better than I was, man. Um, but, yeah, it was really weird there for a minute. Like anxiety and shit. That shit really sucks. I really. Well, it's uh, it's uh, funny how great therapy is, right? It's it's super helpful, and you you don't know it until you're in it. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. I mean, I was never skeptical or anything. I was like, yeah, of course. I think it would be great to talk to somebody about all my shit. Um, but then I had no idea how much shit that I had been holding on to from my childhood and all sorts of shit like that. That was just like feels great to talk to somebody about those things and and really unload it all somebody that's unbiased somebody who's not you know like your friend you're not embarrassed to like say anything you know um yeah it's good to have somebody that you trust that much that you can literally tell them anything yeah and uh yeah that's been that was a big help and i think a lot of people maybe you know, you got to find the right person that is a right, like, there's sort of a, um, somebody that's compatible with you as a, as your doctor, as your therapist, you know? Well, man, I, I've loved watching your music and I've loved getting to talk to you. I can tell you're like a really generous, thoughtful person. And I appreciate you taking the time to share some of the insight with us. And I hope you hang in there during this weird ass time. Yeah, man. I got a good friend here, you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we keep each other company. Damn, that sounds good. All right, Billy. Well, thanks so much, man. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me, and have a great day. And, man, I'll see you out there when all this stuff is over. Yeah, I hope so. It's weird not meeting you in person and sitting here on a computer, but I hope our paths cross in real life someday. Yeah, well, at least I'll recognize you, Anna. That'd be awesome. Take yeah. care, man. All right. See ya. See ya. All right. Thank you so much for listening to Wheels Off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all.
Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you!